week, Mark Jefferson was here, and he was sharing a, a bit of the chunk of the end of um, uh, first, or Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, he's talking just about Holy Spirit, and you know what? We need him. There's no, uh, there's no way that we can do, really do life without him. Um, there's nothing I can say this morning that's going to impact your heart unless he energizes it, unless he speaks it uh, to your heart. And that's why I've challenged you and encouraged you to be open to him this morning. Because when he talks to you, anything can happen. Anything can happen. So this morning, we're going to jump right in there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse um, 15. Um, uh, Paul is writing to this church uh, in Ephesus, and, and the church is around this, this, uh, this major city hub. And he says to them, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give um, thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his, uh, of his inheritance in the saints. And what's the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, um, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He is above, uh, above all of that. Um, he, Paul starts out this, this, this uh, section here by saying the words, therefore. Uh, that word, when you look, uh, when you look kind of the, the meanings behind it, multiple meanings a lot of times we find in, in words um, that were written in Greek and have been translated to English. He's basically saying, for this reason. So he just, last week we looked at the longest sentence in the Bible, that, that run-on sentence of, this is what it means to be in Christ. This is who you are. It just keeps getting better and better and better and better, and he can't stop himself. He, say, he just described what it's like to be a, a, a person who understands that they're in Christ. And then he says, and for this reason, the, the reasons that he says that you understand, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Uh, you've been chosen to be his child. Um, you've been made blameless. Um, you're redeemed. You're forgiven because of him. He says that his will has been revealed to you. You think, oh man, I wish I knew the will of God. It's been revealed. It's, it's in here. It's just that, that idea of looking to, to see that. He says that there's an inheritance in heaven waiting for you heaven's real. Uh, this whole life we do on earth here is the short version. Uh, the rest of eternity is where, where, um, where we were designed uh, to live in, in, um, in a place called heaven. It's def- definitely real. And he says the proof of the fact that you are going there, he says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to live inside of you so that you know that you know you're already connected to God before you get to heaven and you can live that uh, life out um, on earth here being connected to him. So he's like, so hearing all of the stuff that I just told you, He says, so for this reason, he says, I'm praying for you because he says, I want you guys to get it. I want you to understand what I've just uh, explained to you. Because it's not really the normal way of thinking. And as uh, he begins to break that down, Paul says, I've heard of your faith and love. You know, Paul's writing this from prison. Uh, that's where they, they figure that this letter came from. So I'm like thinking about Paul. I'm thinking, you know, how's he heard of these guys? You know, maybe they arrested somebody in Ephesus who's like, you know, robbing temples. And they throw him in jail with Paul. And he's sitting in prison with them. And he's like, hey, man, you know, have you heard about those crazy people in Ephesus? Well, yeah, crazy people, you say. Oh, man. He says, they go to the thing called church. Paul's like, you don't say. What, what about them? Well, they're, they're, they're just a different, different bunch of people. And Paul's like, well, what about them? And they be, somehow he hears about things about these people, and, and it made me start to think, what do people hear about us? What do people hear about you? Uh, one of the things I think that is, is a great opportunity is that we have the opportunity to, uh, to help decide what gets told about us by the way we live. What do you want heard about you? 
All those scumbags over there, they rip me off. Last time I did business with somebody from Kingsway, don't ever go there again, you know. I'm never, do, I'm never doing that. Or is there something else? You know, I, I hear stuff about, um, you know, when, when, we, uh, when we do big things around here, like when we move houses and bring in um, other buildings on trucks, the neighbors come on over because they want to see. It's like, that's the biggest show in Balmoral, right? Nothing happens around here. So when like a house is going down the road, they got to come watch. And they start talking about, you know, like uh, you hear things that they say about us. You know, well, I thought you guys were the tree, you know, the, the church that's like, the opposite of tree huggers. You're like tree haters. You cut down all the beautiful trees that were around you. My grandfather planted that tree. And I'm like, you know what? It had to go. We needed a parking lot. Many of you weren't here for that. There used to be a beautiful tree right out front. Um, and we replaced it with 10, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. Um, the, the, there's the, the things being said, but you know what else? I hear great things about the people from this church. I hear about how you guys are blessing one another. I hear about how you guys are, you know, reaching out to... Um, to people and bringing them to, to places where they're able to find freedom uh, with Celebrate Recovery and for the movie night. And I had a guy come here. He was super early for the movie night because he didn't have a ticket and he wanted to get in. And he had heard that, you know, we're like, we're, we start right on time. I don't know who told him that. But uh, he, uh, he shows up and, and he's talking about, he's like, you know what? You know why this is working? It's because you love people like me. I don't got it all together, but I feel like I'm accepted here. I was like, oh, sweet. I've never met this guy, so it must be one of you. You know, I love hearing that about, uh, about here. My encouragement to us as a church is what's going to be said about us? I'll tell you what it is. It's how you live outside of these four walls that's going to be uh, shining as a witness to the, to the world around us. And Paul says, I've heard of it. He says, I heard of a couple things. I heard of your faith and I heard of your love. Faith is this conviction of truth that, man, we, we buy into truth so much. We don't care what everything else around us says. We believe truth. We don't care if, you know, the, the, the American economy is going down the hole and maybe it's going to affect Canada because, you know what, that's not, our, that's not our provider. We believe truth that says, you know what, I, I am, I'm the Lord who can provide for you. I am uh, Jehovah Jireh more than enough. We know that he's the one. We believe, you know, that we don't need to try and seek promotion the way everyone else does in their workplaces, you know, step on everybody else to get to the top because we believe that God is the one who promotes. So when you find yourself promoted, know that he's doing it in your life. We believe in these things that are, that are, that are, that are truth and just hold to it. He says, I, I heard that about them. He says, I also heard about their love. And it wasn't just this love of, oh, you know, I just love hanging out with the boys in Ephesus. You know, this church is so great. Just makes me feel so nice inside and warm and, and fuzzy. It wasn't that at all. It was this love that got stuff done. It was a love that said, you know what? I'm motivated by love to act out on it. The word love is agape. It means goodwill. Uh, it means um, serving one another. It means um, being generous to one another. This is a different, uh, a different concept of love. It's a love that, that acts out. And he says, this is kind of what I heard for them. And then he says, you know what? I heard about your faith and your love, but I heard about your love for all saints. Your love for all of God's peeps. You know, there's, um, there's a, a thing that for us is not as easy to do. We, we like to love the people we like, right? You know, we, we, we like all the people that we, that, uh, or we love all the people that we like at Kingsway. It's just those people in that third row over there that, oh man, God, why did you have to put them in this family? Couldn't you send them to the church next door? Why do they have to be here? They just get on my nerves. Paul's saying, man, you know what I heard about this church? They love them all. They don't just love the way the world loves. They love the other third row. You're good. You know, they, uh, <laughs> They, they love them all. They love them all. And you know what the Bible just talks about? It's really great. It says that's the way that, that people are going to know that you're an actual follower of Jesus. It's not by the fact of where you spend your mornings on Sunday uh, or Saturday nights, wherever that, you know, it is. They're going to know you're a Christian by your love for one another and the way that that's shown. And this doesn't exist in the world. Not like this. You know, in the world, uh, I've had, we had one young guy who's, he wanted to, um, he wanted to be a follower of Christ, but he said, man, 
If I follow Christ, I'm going to have to say goodbye to 60 friends. I'm like, you have 60 friends? Like, he's like, yeah, seriously, I'm going to have to say goodbye to all those people. And I just, I can't do it. So back then, a few years ago, we just told him, well, we said, just start living out your, your witness. If you want to follow Christ, just start following him. Start making some of the changes. And if they're really your friends, they're going to be there for you. Well, you know, all of a sudden, the, the party at his house dried up. You know, his free bar was no longer free. It actually wasn't even there anymore. His alcohol was moved out. Guess what? His 60 friends turned to six. Then uh, uh, he's like, all of a sudden, he started talking about uh, what God was doing in his life and talking about going to church, and he found a girl at church, and that's always good, too. And so uh, as he's talking about that, all of a sudden, his friends go down to like one. You know, and really, it was only, you know, that one friend actually came to church with him. There was this, this, um, um, this change that happened. You know, you think in, in the world, you got all your friends are all going to be right around you until something bad happens in your life. You know, when you go start going through depression, they don't want anything to do with you. You know, when, when all of a sudden you, you, you lose your job and they realize, uh-oh, some, he's going to come asking me for cash. And, you know, oh, sorry, I can't do it. I, I'm busy. I, I'm washing my hair. I know I'm a guy, I'm a dude, but I'm washing my hair that night. I can't help you. You know, what, whatever it is, there's this thing of where the, the friendships are fickle. And, and our world runs that way because we're really highly motivated by this thing called me. If, it doesn't, if it's not good for me, I don't know. I don't really have time for it. You know what changes that? When, when it becomes that our lives are about him, he moves in and says, you know what? I'm about everybody else. I'm about helping. I'm about sharing. You know, it's like, uh, you know when you cut your finger, how it's like all the attention is drawn to that place? It's like, you don't just go on. You, 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 let's say you, you hit it with a hammer. You know, you're just like, oh, oh, all right, never mind. Just keep going on with life. What happens? All of your exterior focus goes on. I got to make that thing better. I'll wave it. I'll suck on it. I'll do whatever. Just make, it, make the pain go away. Well, internal too, same thing. All the antibodies and stuff start rushing to that. The blood starts rushing there to start bring healing to that place. It's what the body of Christ is like. You know, when one's wounded, I love seeing how you guys surround and begin to, begin to bring healing and bring uh, hope and health. It's the complete opposite. You know, we had one lady a couple weeks ago just shared, you know, I lost, you know, my husband uh, left. I'm now a single mom with two kids. I don't have a vehicle. Two days later, <laughs> there's a vehicle. You know, it's like, who does that? Christians do that. Church people do that. Followers of Jesus do that. And he says, that's what I've heard about you guys. You guys, there's something pretty amazing about you. So we know that Paul's writing to the saints in Ephesus. He said that in chapter one. But he's, he, you know, he's, this is kind of talking about the quality of these people. It's not just like the everybody's. He's saying, I'm writing to the guys who, you, you got it all together. You know, you're, you're faithful in church. You're loving. You've got a lot of these things. But he says, but there's something missing. I, even though you've got all that stuff going together, he says, I don't want you to miss out on what I'm trying to tell you here. And so he says, he begins to, um, he begins to just um, uh, plead with them that they would know who they are. It's really important to know who you are. There's a story of two snakes. They're slithering down the road, and one snake says to the other snake, hey, are we poisonous? And the snake says, what do you mean, we poisonous? That's a weird question. Why are you asking? He's like, I just bit my lip. He says, it's really, I tell you that just to remember the fact that it's really important to know who you are. Who are you really? Ephesians chapter 1 verse um, 16, he says um, to this church of people who've got it together, he says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul's not saying that he never stops praying. He's not saying, oh, I'm super, super spiritual. All I do is pray all the time. You, you know, even this letter, this scroll you're reading, it's a prayer. He's not saying that. We've talked before about prayer. Prayer that he's talking about is a specific time and place set aside for praying. He says, and when I'm doing that, I'm talking about you guys. And he says, I'm, I'm praying for you because uh, it's important to him. Paul was a, was a man where prayer was important. And then all of a sudden, he does something really kind of unique. He stops talking to these people in Ephesus about God. 
And he starts talking about God, about these people in Ephesus. He changes it right there and just lets them know, this is what I'm praying for you. We can learn a lot about prayer. You know, just from the simple uh, thing of seeing how Paul prayed for people. You know, we, we, we want to learn about intercession in our prayer groups. Intercession is just praying for someone. And Paul says, here, this is what I'm praying for you. This is what I was praying for you guys this morning, uh, last night, this week as I've been preparing, that the same prayer would be true for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, he says, this is what I'm praying. Praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He says, I pray that he may give it to you. Because it's not a done deal. Not a done deal. Not a good idea to leave your ringer on. Um, says there were, you know, here's some of these good Christians that have stuff going, um, you know, some stuff going good in their life, but he says they're missing some stuff yet. And he says, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get it. You know, as, as parents, we have these, we have our children, you know, those little kids run around. You know, we, our, our idea is that they're going to grow up. But how many of you know that there's some parents' kids who just never grow up? They're like 30 years old and they still haven't grown up. They're not yours, I know, but there's somebody else's, but you know who I'm talking about. They've never, they never grow up. It's kind of a rarity in our culture that these kids never grow up, you know, but um, in church, it's the norm. In church, it's the norm that people come to Christ and, 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 and rarely take the steps to grow up in their faith, rarely get to the place where they're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve myself the word of God. I'm not going to just be dependent on whatever Mark has to say on Sunday and hope that carries me over. The rarity is, and Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand that. Get to the place where you get into Ephesians. Get into the word until it gets into you because it changes who you are. He says, I don't want you to miss out on what this life is all about. He prays that they have the spirit of wisdom and revelation um, in the knowledge of Christ. That spirit's not the Holy Spirit. When you become born again, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, he gives you his spirit. The Bible says that, that in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, that we're one spirit with him. Uh, that he's already moved into our lives. So Holy Spirit, all of, all of Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, he lives inside of you. So what he's saying here is, is that, um, that his, his thought is that you would have a spirit of, of wisdom and revelation. The word spirit is translated four different ways in the Bible. One of them is that it would be a mindset or the, the motivation of the way you think. So he's saying, I'm praying that the motivation of the way you think would be wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Wisdom. Wisdom being like the supreme divine wisdom that, that God would uh, allow you to, to uh, live life in, in a way that, that works. Um, and revelation, that things that are hidden, that they'd be revealed to you, that you would see and understand uh, what this is all about. You know what Paul's not praying for them? He doesn't pray that they'd get more money. He doesn't pray that all their financial needs would be met. He doesn't pray for healing for them. He's not praying that their, that their relationships would be better. You know why? Because he's praying about the deepest need and it's the actual root of all of those other problems. He's saying, I, my prayer is that you get this because you get this, the rest of it's going to work. If you get the idea of, of this revelation of knowing God, doing life with God, it makes all the difference. You see, we can pray for people, you know, they're in a financial spot because they, they misspent all their funds thinking, you know, my uh, idea for retirement is play the lottery, you know, and uh, you know, it didn't work out. Now here I am with nothing to show for it. Please help me, God. <laughs> He's saying, I pray that you have wisdom, that you'd do like I said in my word, that you'd store up a little bit like the ant and realize that you're going to have, you know, have what you need later, and that you realize that money is not the thing you chase after because it's just, it's just money. It's just a tool. And it, wisdom gets downloaded in there. You pray and like, oh, God, fix my marriage, and yet you're an absolute jerk in your house. How is he supposed to work with that? 
He's saying, you know what, if you get to the spot of knowing God where he's just downloading love into your heart all the time, it gives you the opportunity to love your wife. You know, even when she wakes up, well, I'll switch it around. It gives you the idea to love your husband. Uh, when, uh, when he wakes up and his head's on backwards and he's just like, getting grumpy, there's this idea of, you know what, he doesn't change your day. Why? Because you got love on the inside. Just says, you know what, I, I can show that my, I'm, my love tank is filled up. I can just show, show that and change the environment in my home. I want to encourage you this morning. That's what Paul is saying. He says, go for what really matters, what our deepest, deepest need is. And our deepest need is to know him. Really is, to know him. The Bible uses a word called epinosis, which if you were part of the precept studies, we studied this word about knowledge and knowing something. There's one, idea, one way of knowing something is because someone told you. So, you know, you heard this because someone told you about it. And there's another thing of, of knowledge where you know it because you experienced it. You know, you could be, I could say, we're having swimming lessons here this morning. Everybody, right arm up and down. And left arm up and down. And right arm up and down. Nobody wants swimming lessons. All right. Well, anyway, so we're doing swimming lessons. But I could tell you, you know, I heard somebody tell you that that's the way to swim. Or I could tell you this morning, we're all going out to the lake. You're going to jump in, you know, 50 feet away in this freezing cold water and learn to swim. Go to shore. You'd be like, you know, you'd find a way. And when you got out, you're like, I know how to swim. This is how you do it. Fast, you know, get out of that, get out of that water. And you could share the experience. The water was cold. You know, my, I was kicking like sharks were chasing me. And, and there's a whole different way of knowing that. God says, I want you to know by experience. You know, if you're a follower of the uh, Maple Leafs, they lost last night, but they were doing really good. There's a guy on their team named Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel, if, um, there's some things I know about Phil. He's a, a right wing. He plays for Toronto Maple Leafs. He's an American. We don't hold that against him. He scores a lot of goals. But um, he, uh, he has nine goals, nine assists this season, 18 points in 15 games. He's um, six foot tall. He's 202 pounds. He's a cancer survivor. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's carrying the Toronto Maple Leafs on his back this year. It's pretty awesome. That's what I know about Phil Kessel. But you know what? If I met him on the street, he doesn't know me. I learned all that on Wikipedia last night. Many of you, same idea with God. Is it's kind of like a Wikipedia relationship with him. You hear some things about him, and that's kind of what you know. Somebody told you this, someone told you this, someone told you this, and he says, I want you to know me. I don't want you to know about me. I want you to know me. As a church, Paul's saying, hey, you guys, I've heard about your faith, I've heard about your love, but I want you to know me. I want you to understand what this life was all about. I want you to understand why I, I sacrificed my son for you, why I gave my life for you. It was for more than just a place to sit on Sunday morning. It was the chance that you could know me, do life with me every single day. In verse 18, he says this, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know what the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory are. You know, he said, the eyes of your understanding, what are those? You know, you got two eyes that most of them can see. Uh, but he says, there's these eyes of the understanding, the eyes of the guy inside that see as well. For instance, here's, here's, how, here's how they work. You know, a couple weeks ago, I flew on an airplane to um, Winnipeg. And as I was walking through the, you know, uh, through that tunnel that gets the airplane, you look out the window and you see the big tube, see all the rivets on it. It's round, it's long, it's got two big wings, big motors underneath there. Uh, I was watching about how they made those motors while we were on the airplane and about how that Captain Sullenberg crashed uh, in, the, in the lake when, um, well, in the Hudson River when geese went through an airplane. So those motors weren't quite designed that way. We were going through turbulence and everybody's like, why are you watching this while we're, like the whole plane is shaking. But I, I, but I started realizing, you know, this is kind of how this plane has been designed and built windows all the way along. Then I walked inside and it looked kind of like this actually, just not quite as wide. You know, a few seats and then some overhead bins where you stick your luggage. And, and now, I mean, I can bet that most of you, if you've been on a plane before, you can picture in your head what this plane looks like, can't you? You're not seeing it, but you're seeing it. 
And he says the same thing with this. You might not see it with your physical eyes, but I want you to see what this is because when you can see it and believe it, you'll inside, you'll see it outside. He says that, he's saying that your eyes would be enlightened and that word just means that you'd light up on the inside. When you start seeing who you are in Christ, that it would come alive in you. They'd be like, yeah, I'm in Christ. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I'm not going to hell. Praise God. You know, that there's, there's this thing of realizing what that actually means. When you're in Christ and you're one spirit with him, that he's with you every day, all day, what does that mean? There's so many Christians that have no real life inside. They don't get it. They're saved. They're going to heaven, but they don't understand what this life means about being in him. And he's praying, saying, I'm praying that, that it would become clear to you. Do you know that it's so easy for us to lose our vision by small things? You take two quarters and stick them in your eyes. I do that with my kids sometimes. Just stick them in there and like walk around. You know, if I have those quarters right up close to my eyes, they're not really big. But guess what? When they're here, they change my perspective of everything. I can't see anything but them. Some of you, those problems are an addiction and they're right in front of your face. And you think, oh, I got to deal with this. I got to deal with this. Some of you, it's your children. They're, they're going away that you don't like and it's all you can focus on. Some of you, it's the bills at the end of the month. It's all you can focus on. Some of you, it's like, I'm not good enough for God. I, gotta, I just got to do better. You're focusing on that. He's like, I want your eyes to be enlightened. I want it to become clear. Any of you ever try to put lipstick on in the morning in a, in a mirror right after you got out of the shower? Me neither. <laughs> wow, things you learn in church. Unbelievable. I always wonder why there's lipstick on the mirror at the mechanic shop there. Uh, but you know what? You know when you get out of the shower and it's all foggy. You know, you can see kind of the outline. Yeah, you're there. But, you know, if you leave that, that mirror and you don't actually wipe it down to see clearly, you know, you completely miss out. Who knows what you look like when you leave there? Most of you, I think you wipe the mirror. You look good today. Um, but, the, you know, it's, it's that same idea that it's foggy. You know, you kind of have this glimpse of what faith and Christianity is about. So I want that to become super clear for you. When I was a kid, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see too good, uh, too well. Uh, whatever, I couldn't speak too good either. But um, I was I had to sit in class, and I had to sit in the front row because I couldn't see the blackboard. And even in, when I was in the front row, I still couldn't see the blackboard. So my parents took me to get glasses, and I went there, and they tested my eyes like, yep, you need glasses. And then uh, I was like, well, I don't know which ones to pick. There's a wall full of glasses. So I let my, my mom, I think she helped me pick, and there was this glasses that said executive on the side of the glasses. And I was like, She's like, you know what executive is, right? That's like the cream of the crop, top of the top. You know, she didn't quite talk like that, but she convinced me that these executive glasses were the ones to get. But they were ginormous. So I, I felt like, you know, I felt like the blonde Steve Urkel when I put them on. And I went, um, for those of you old enough to know who he is, so we, uh, I, I went to school and I sat in the front row with these ginormous goggles on and I'm looking and you know what? It didn't even matter if the kids were bugging me or not. I felt like they were all just snickering and laughing behind my back because what I saw inside was, was as real as it needed to be. I decided that from that day on, forget it, I was going to do life blurry because it was just a whole lot easier. Took off the glasses. But you know what else I remember? I remember the day when I got laser surgery. Um, my mom also took me for that. Thanks for that, mom. Um, so I went, to, um, I went there and, and they did the surgery. And after I left, as we're driving down the road, I you know, opened my eyes and I looked and I couldn't believe that trees actually had branches. I was like, whoa, I knew they did, but now I could see it. You know, I knew, that, I knew that cars had license plates, but now I could read them. I knew that there were signs on the side of the road, big green blobs as we went by, but now I could see what they actually said. And you know what? I'll never go back. And Paul's saying the same thing. Once your eyes have been enlightened, you'll never go back. You'll never go back to the way you were living life before because there's something about, uh, about a life of knowing. He says, I pray that you would know it once and for all. 
Then he talks about what he really wants them to see. You know, and in all these things, I believe what he really wants them to see is how amazing God is. He says, I pray that you'd know the hope of his calling, the, the riches of his inheritance for you, the, the, the extent and greatness of his power, him, 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 that your eyes would be open, that you would see him for who he really is. You know, I think about that with worship. We sing these songs, you know, this morning, singing different uh, Different tunes just about, about who God is. This is amazing grace. And like, oh, I've studied this before. This is amazing grace. What time is it? Sheesh, when's it going to get? You know, it's like this familiarity just fogs up our eyes to how amazing that grace really is. The fact that there's a God who looks at us, sees, sees a, a, a mankind who just turned his back, turned their backs on him, said, you know what, God, we want to be in control. And he realizes that with us being in control, with us living our lives for us, we'll never get it right. We'll try and try and try to find happiness that, and joy that, that desire he put in us because he knew we'd find it in him. He knew the relationship with him would do all that for us. But we didn't. Turn our back on God, walking away from him. He knows the end result for those who, who walk away from him is an eternity without him. He never created hell for people, but it is the, the reality that people end up there for those who don't choose to follow Jesus Christ. He said, I see that. I don't want them to end up there. He could have just washed his hands of humankind and said, forget it. They made, they made their bed. They can lie in it. But his absolute incredible love for us, when we weren't deserving of it, said, you know what? I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice. If blood is required of this, then I'll give mine. I will lay my life down so that they don't have to. I will show them grace. And he says, you know what? He, he, it says he, he's done He's taken our spirit man that was dead, the one that couldn't hear God anymore. And when you receive Christ, receive forgiveness and salvation, that comes alive. All of a sudden, you can hear God speaking to you again, something that was missing. And he says, and guess what? That spirit man never gets dirty again. He says, I sealed that with Holy Spirit. That's gonna be perfect from here on in. He says, what the problem for us is that, that inside, it's all done already because of what Jesus did, but outside, you know, we still have sin in our lives. We still have things that are going on in our lives. He's saying, we've got to renew our minds. We've got to change the way we think. And Paul's saying, this is what my prayer is for you, that your eyes would be open, that the eyes of your understanding, your mind, that you would begin to see what, how things really, really are. This morning, we're going we're gonna to take uh, communion together. Maybe we're going to have a couple guys, if you guys can uh, pass that out. We're going we're gonna to close with that. Uh, but my, my challenge and encouragement for you this morning is this. We've done communion here before. Um, if, you're, if you're here and you're wondering, well, can I take it or not take it? I don't know what to do in my other church. I didn't take it. I just want to let you know that if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've said, Jesus, I, I, you know, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. I know I've messed it up um, on my own. I want to I follow you. I want you to be Lord of my life. You can take communion. Uh, and it, it say, if you're part of his family, no matter what age you are, you are free to take that. Um, some would think that, you know, this is like the actual body and blood of Jesus. That's not. <laughs> he never ever said it was either. He just said that when he sat with his disciples, he said, guys, you know what? I know you're probably going to be forgetful. So I want to give you something to remember, something to bring freshness back every single time you do this. I want to remember how amazing, how worth, uh, what you guys are really worth. He said to his disciples that, that night that he said, you know what? This, um, this, what this cup and this bread represents is the last time a sheep's ever going to die. He said, I'm making a new deal that once and for all, sin is done. Once and for all, death is 
it's done. He says, I'm taking the, I'm, I'm going to pay the price required so that it's done. You know, for, for many of us, you know, when you accept God, I accept your free gift of salvation. He wasn't like, oh boy, I wasn't counting on that. I better go make sure that's ready and go die on the cross that day. He didn't. It was done. It was done then. It's forgiven you up until the, the point where you accept Christ. And guess what? It's forgiven you all the way on because it's what Jesus has done. There's something so amazing about that. You are blameless this morning even though you're not sinless. Some of you hear this today. You're like, oh man, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I shouldn't take it. I haven't been a good boy this week. <laughs> that's the greatness of the good news. If you've genuinely just believed that Jesus gave his life for you and received that this morning, it's done. I want to encourage you this morning to think about maybe where your life would be, be without Christ. Remember what it's like to have no hope? Remember what it feels like to have no purpose? Remember what it feels like to, uh, to just live a life, you know, motivated by guilt and try and hide that, drown that in whatever you can? He's offered you the chance this morning of, of freedom. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ. <laughs> life just doesn't really make sense without him. Um, my thoughts for you this morning is that he absolutely loves you the way you are, 100%. He died for you 2,000 years ago before you ever had the chance to do life wrong. His offer on the table this morning for you is second chance, complete freedom, forgiveness, and the chance to do life with him. Not a chance to join a church and follow rules, chance to do life with him. Um, I would encourage you this morning, even as we're taking communion together, um, to just even in your own words, to say, God, I, I know I've messed up this life, but I don't want to go down that path anymore. I believe that you died for me. I want to live my life for you. If you can take my life and all of its garbage and make it into something beautiful, here it is. And he welcomes you into a family <laughs> called church. They're not all perfect, but he's working on us. You know, and it's because of the fact that we're not perfect that he says this is what this is all about. So today as we as we sit here, Jesus said to his disciples back then, and says it to you today as followers of him, my body was broken for you. That in this healing, in this is, is uh, the fact of, re- of taking a body that was in your place. It says that every one of us that says the wages of sin is death, but he says, I, I took care of that. So this morning as you take the bread, would you just say thanks to him? And so, you know, as we do that together, Jesus, we thank you, and we do this in remembrance of you, remembering the price that you paid for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You take it. It says, then he took a a cup after after supper. He said, this is, so this is the new covenant. He says, this is the better deal. He says, I'm going to do this once and for all. You got sin? He says, I'll take care of it. It was the price that washed away our sin once and for all. And as we remember that this morning, I just encourage you again, just allow the, just that, that, that realization of forgiveness and grace. So we just say thank you, Jesus, for this, and we do this to remember you uh, this morning in your name. I would encourage you this morning, as, um, as you leave this place and as you go home, you know we're in Ephesians. My, my, my challenge for you is to, to take this to heart and say, I don't want to miss out that you'd go home and you begin to just pray this prayer over yourself. God, would you open my eyes? You know, I stand in church and I sing those songs, but I don't see it. God, would you open my eyes to see who you really are? Uh, I believe, you know, there's so many of you, you're good and you're faithful followers of Jesus Christ, but there's that spot inside that's just missing yet. 
you know, that, that idea of, of who you really are in him, that that would become alive in you, and that you could share that with the world around you, wherever you find yourself this week. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you that you're our dad. Thank you that you gave us your word and that you gave us your spirit so it would make sense in us. Uh, God, thank you for these amazing people that you've called your children and, and have caused us to be a family. This morning, uh, I just pray for them, Lord, that this word would just sink into their heart. I pray, God, that their eyes would be open, the inside eyes, that they would see who they really are in you, that they would live this, uh, th- live this week uh, just living in the, in the knowledge of that. Pray for uh, the fact, um, too, that they would be able to know you, uh, that, uh, that by the time they come here next week, they would know you in a closer uh, and better way. Thank you for every person that's here. I know that's not by accident this morning. I pray your blessing on them as they go from this place, uh, that they would know your presence is always with them. Uh, and I thank you for that, Lord. It's in your name, for your glory, we pray. Amen.